This podcast is brought to you by Online Retailer, Australia's leading retail tech conference, expo and networking organisation. Recorded at the Online Retailer Conference in 2017, here we chat with world-class digital leaders to bring you industry insights, practical examples and actionable ideas from our incredible community of retail renegades, marketing masters and creative entrepreneurs who all want to do retail business big. We want to extend the conversation after the event and to keep exploring where the future meets retail. So let's talk shop. Welcome to this episode of the Online Retailer Podcast. I'm Kylie Lewis and I have the great pleasure of speaking with Drew Green from Indochino. Welcome, Drew. Hi, Kylie. How are you? Fantastic. Good. Um, Now, I've got the pleasure of speaking with you uh, for a few minutes about your business, about Mm -hmm. your role in it, how it came to be, and what are some of the exciting things that are going on um, in your part of the world uh, with your business. So let's jump into it. Could you tell us a little bit about what your business is and what it does and how it came to be? Yeah, absolutely. So Indochino is the the world's largest made-to-measure apparel company. Um, primarily, we, 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 serve, uh, we serve men, uh, so we do not uh, serve women currently. But um, you know, the business has been around for about 11 years. Three years ago uh, was really the inflection point in the business, and that, that came through a few th- different things. But one was um, you know, really a decision by you know, the board and management myself to say, okay, let's, let's become an omni-channel retailer. Um, let's really devote, you know, resources and investment capital, et cetera, uh, to truly provide consumers with an experience that they want, whether it be online or in-store. To do that, though, there's really a lot of different steps we needed to take in the business to make sure that we did it successfully. And I'd, I'd say, you know, one of the most important, uh, you know, uh, morphoses that we've gone through these last couple years is really entirely reconstructing our supply chain and our back-end production. And that came through partnership. You know, prior to um, this particular partner, we were trying to do too much. Uh, we were trying to own too much of the process. We were kind of enamored by being vertically integrated or, you know, kind of quote unquote vertically integrated. And what we realized, and, you know, you have to do this with some humility, is that, you know, we don't need to be the best in the world at production. We don't need to be a world class manufacturer. Um, there are those companies out there that if we partner with in the right way, uh, we can focus on being a world-class omni-channel retailer and all the things that come with that. And so, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, we were really fortunate to partner with Diane Group in China, um, where they took a 20% interest in the business um, in in return for investment capital in the business and essentially took over all of our production. And of course, there was a transition and integration to get there. But you know, now we're single sourced into, uh, and and in a way, vertically integrated into the largest you know manufacturer men's apparel manufacturer in the world. Mm. So you've taken the the leap from just a pure play online yep. made to measure business into now having retail stores that service people face to face. That's right. Yeah, and so can you tell us a little bit about? that that leap and what drove you to do that you know i think in i mean there's lots of wonderful stories i could tell you but i think you know one uh really uh, again a humility one is that the online business kind of reached a point where it was having a challenge growing efficiently and you know that had to do with customer acquisition costs that had to do with you know how complex our business is that had to do with um the complexity of the purchase you know for a consumer so it was really 
you know, with again, humility saying, how can we serve more customers and serve them better? And, you know, really the, the sort of natural answer was, well, we can allow them to feel the fabric. We can allow them to see, you know, in person, the different linings and, and customizations and personalizations that they, they have a choice from. And so, you know, we, we tested a little bit, um, but we really, you know, uh, I think two and a half years ago, I was saying, hey, we're going to open 150 showrooms uh, in the next five to 10 years. And everybody was kind of looking at me like I had actually lost my mind, uh, but it's worked out so far. And, um, and, you know, it is a big part of our strategy. So having been around digital traps for a while, yeah. it seems like a, such a paradox because what you just said was in order to be able to serve more customers better, I know. Um, we're going face to face, we're going bricks and mortar. Whereas, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, that conversation yeah, was completely totally. the opposite. Totally. And, and look, that, that answer does not fit all, right? It's not, I wouldn't, uh, don't try this at home type of thing. Like it, it does, you know, it does require analysis of what business you're in. I think if you're a commodity-based retailer, if you're selling commodity types pro- type of products, retail, you know, might not be the best place to further invest in. It might be, you know, best to go online only or or have a much smaller retail presence. But we, by nature of what we do, are very very unique. We per- every garment we we produce is is unique, and we felt that, you know we'd just be able to reach more customers that perhaps wouldn't want to design their own garment online, that wouldn't want to you know, spend $450, $500 US on a garment without feeling the fabric. Um, and so that thought uh, and that intuition uh, you know, led to, to our commitment to retail, but you know, then once you're in it, you, you just continually analyze and enhance uh, the experience. And, and it's just such a such an important part of this business's growth mm. but like but like you said most people were like what are you doing like <laughs> stop yeah you know so it's that human touch that well is hard to completely replicate online yeah and also the value as you mentioned it's a significant purchase yeah yeah and i'm a, i'm a technology guy right so I, I i grew up in in you know software and digital ad tech um and I just, you know, I, I kind of relate it to self-serve, full-serve, right, in, in software technology where, look, some people, they just want it and they'll do it themselves. And that's amazing, but you're not going to get every customer by having it just as self-serve. And, and full-serve really creates these relationships with customers that are forever. You know, some of my first customers 20 years ago are still friends. And so, you know in a way what we do is provide self-serve online and full serve in retail and we're able to develop these incredible relationships that last years and years and years and years Mm. so so you've started with three stores three showrooms you call them right that's right well no we've got 17 showrooms 17 showrooms now. yes yeah across so um, we've got eight in Canada and nine in the US Uh, this month we just opened Washington Chicago and our second location in Manhattan. Mm. And you've got aspirations to get that to 150, did I hear you yeah, say? Yeah, no, I think, so I think the sky's the limit. I think what we will do is I'll just continue to measure the business and continue to build a profitable, high growth business. And, you know, I think next year, probably the most we could open would be 20. Whether or not we do that is gonna depend on, you know, finding the right locations, getting the right terms, 
the, certainly the market could bear it and our business could support it, but we're in no mandated time frame, you know, to get to 100 or 150 or 500. Mm. Uh, we really want to build the right way. During your presentation, you talked about the impact that having a physical retail presence has had on the business right. and how significant that's been. Could you talk to that for a moment? Yeah. Um, so, so I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different uh, elements to it. I think the first and foremost is just looking at the paradox of customer acquisition for online retailers. You know, and I was just actually talking to somebody after the, after the session about this, but, um, you know, I think most online retailers or online only retailers, they reach a point in their business where it just becomes so expensive, you know, to acquire customers. Um, they're not seeing their type of repeat purchase or lifetime value that they, they need or want. And, um, you know, in part that's because competition is so now, is now so heavy uh, in, in the online sphere. Uh, number two is that you're really, you know, and again, this is just an opinion, but unless you're Amazon or eBay or, you know, one of the, the, big, the big folks or, or you know, an industry leader or segment leader, it's harder and harder to create relationships. And so we just saw retail as, you know, a real balancing act for us. Not only being able to address more customers and all the things I just mentioned, but, you know, we're, retail is now our number one acquisition channel. Which I uh, found that quite yeah. phenomenal. And when you talk about the cost of acquisition and retail actually being, you know, relatively yeah. comparable or if not cheaper than online acquisition, that yeah. again to me is a whole other paradox that seems yeah. to have popped up. Well, yeah, and, and, and you know, to be clear, the, the difference in our model versus traditional retail is we are appointment-based, so I am able to drive demand into my stores. I'm not reliant on, you know, million-dollar or multi-million-dollar flagships that, you know, most retailers look to launch with or enhance their retail presence with. Um, and so, you know, in a large way, our, our, our retail business is controlled by our online efforts, you know, our ability to reach a consumer and and bring them into the Chicago showroom or Washington showroom. Mm -hmm. And um, and we, you know, we monitor appointments a lot. So we know, for example, in New York, uh, there, the opportunity was there to open a second showroom just based on the fact that we were sold out all the time in New York. Um, our online business was thriving. And so it only made logical sense to open a second showroom. Mm. So one of the videos that you showed during your presentation was how you were able to set up a showroom in three days. Yeah. So that sounds to me like it's a really agile model for, mm -hmm. for retail. Yeah. How did that come to be? Well, I think there's a, a few different things. One of the things I talked about is we really took the approach of mirroring our, our retail or showroom experience to our online experience, uh, but more in a full-serve manner, as I just talked about. I got to give credit to the team. I mean, we just got this incredible, you know, both retail design uh, as well as operations team that, you know, are really, really efficient. I think one of the one of my key philosophies is that no matter the size of the business, you 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 need to be, continue to act like a startup. You need to continue to be an entrepreneur. And just because you're, you know, a lot bigger than you were or more profitable than you were can't lose sight of what got you there and what got you there was being efficient uh, improving process you know all these different things that go into disrupting and building disrupting a market and building a business and so you can't lose that as you go and so you know literally we launched three showrooms in three weeks and you know three of the biggest cities in in, in North America and, and perhaps even the world 
and so yeah I guess one of the strengths of that is that you don't actually carry inventory mm. so the, the showrooms themselves are, are yep are static in that sense in some ways they are they are and that certainly goes into it as well but um, you know uh, the 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 ability to launch in three days or you know from from time of final construction to to final to final launch within three days you know vir- virtual inventory is, is certainly a part of that but um, you know you could also do it with inventory in that mm. in that time frame mm. what role does data play in your business you know, I mean, it's everything. Um, we've got, you know, an incredible management team, an incredible board uh, that's in- extremely focused on data. What we try not to do is to not lose our business sense or our intuition. I do believe that, you know, building businesses uh, is, you know, it's important that intuition plays a role uh, in decision making. But you do need empirical data to, to really help guide the, the way and, and uncover things that you might not otherwise. And so I would just say that, that data is, it's, I mean, it's one of our uh, core values, you know, uh, the, the need to look at and base decisions on data. Um, and it permeates throughout the organization, right? Whether you're in, you know, what we call customer experience, uh, which is our customer service team, whether you're, you know, a senior leader in the company or one of our uh, partners in China, you know, we want everybody to be using data to make decisions. And have you got a great example of where innovation has come through your data? Mm-hmm. Lots. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a ton, I think. Let me give you a practical one that had a really dramatic impact on, um, on our P&L. So in our model, when we first launched retail, we said, you know what? We don't need to have tailors in our in our showroom, right? We want to maximize the square footage. Um, we want to make sure that you know sales per square foot is 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 industry leading. We don't necessarily need tailors, and it's hard to hire, and you know, all these reasons why not to do it. Okay, that that actually makes sense. Like if I say that to you, you say, oh, no, that makes sense. But as the business, as the retail business established itself. You know, what I was seeing was um, that we had this massive network of outsourced tailors, what we call outsourced tailors, that were doing a great job, but it was less control. We were having difficulties, you know, servicing the customer in the way we wanted to. And, you know, when I looked at the data, I said, oh, wait a second, we could save 60% of those costs if we brought, if we hired, nurtured, and, you know, really empowered our own tailors. And so it was actually this time last year, um, you know, really August 1st, where we said to ourselves, let's, let's go. Let's, let's, let's get some real high-end and professional tailors across our network. And, you know, now we're, we're well over 50 tailors in the network that, that work for Indochino and serve the customer. And, you know, we, we save a lot of money. Probably, ah, man, I'd say net impact to this year is a couple million dollars, mm. you know, in savings. And, so. and and the, and then the uplift in potential purchases as a result of having professionals well trained like that. It certainly, business. yeah, it certainly is. I think the the uplift comes from the the impression you leave on the consumer when they walk in, and you know we have these in house tailors with sewing machines and all the equipment. Um, you know, when they can actually uh, speak to a tailor about the alterations in house in the showroom about you know what they what they need done. 
you know, certainly, I think, creates a more authentic experience in what we do. Mm. Um, so this isn't your first foray into online. You've been around quite a bit. Could you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you started this business? Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I think I'm getting old because it's been a lot, of different, a lot of different years now. I, I, I just have such a passion. I used to live in Sydney, so I, number one, I, I admire this, this city and, and this country so much. Um, it's been about 20 years and I was here as a young man and, and just met so many great people and had so many great experiences that really shaped a lot of what I chose to, to do. And, and, you know, immediately getting back from, uh, from my travels from Asia, uh, I, I got into technology and, you know, was with a very successful company that we ended up selling to DoubleClick, spent many years at DoubleClick, um, you know, prior to it being sold to Google. Uh, helped build one of the largest marketplaces in the U.S., uh, founded and helped build one of the largest marketplaces in Canada. And so I just, I really have a passion for building businesses and for this industry at large, not just, you know, a, a single part of it, right? The, all, the whole way through the technology, um, you know, the online transactional environment, and now, you know, the retail environment. Mm. So you've taken all of that experience in tech and now brought it into a retail experience yeah I think one of the funny things that uh, you know certainly people point out is I'm, I don't have a fashion background right I like to wear nice clothes and uh, you know my wife will tell you that I, I, I buy a lot of them but um, you know I do not have a traditional fashion background that said um, I have a passion for the business and I have a passion for you know creating a, uh, an unbelievable and differentiated customer experience and, and what we do um, every everything about this business is differentiated from the traditional way to purchase a garment and so we really accentuate that and you know at the end of the day I think uh, you can have a ton of background in an industry and, and, and not do well um, we purposely actually I hire uh, with that in mind you know I don't want somebody that's just been there and done that I want somebody that can bring a different view to, to, to whatever discipline that needs to be enhanced mm, so really embracing diversity yeah. Yeah. In all parts, right? In mm -hmm. all parts. Yeah. What are you most excited about working on next? Ooh. Um, I just, you know, I get up every day and I'm just, uh, I'm really energized about the progress this business is making. I think, you know, we've, we've been able to have, you know, to, to lay the foundation for, you know, truly creating a multi-billion dollar business. And, you know, we have this amazing strategic partner in China. Uh, that was very, very hard to, to establish. But now that it's established, I couldn't think of a better relationship or a more, frankly, a more unique and strategic asset for the business to scale from. Uh, we've got a media partner in Canada that's world-class and uh, is now a shareholder as well as, as empowering our brand in the country. Um, it's really about continuing that journey, right? I think the, I think the, um, I think that, mistake most retailers make is they become too too enclosed and they don't look for partnerships they don't look at how to accelerate their business through what i call the multiplier effect right where you have you know not just one person working on your business but a thousand and you and they're not on your payroll um, and so you know i'm looking forward to you know finding other avenues to continue to scale this business and create a global brand mm. and what do you think is the future for retail Oh, that's there's so <laughs> there's so many different components of that. I think um, we're really in an interesting time. 
you know, especially in North America. The word Armageddon you'll see in, in newspapers quite a bit or, you know, in articles quite a bit. Um, it's, it's, it is changing. All the change that we talked about happening or was going to happen has happened really in the last 18 months. You know, some of the most historic uh, consumer brands have, have either gone out of business or dramatically downsized. I think there's going to be more of that ahead. Um, and we're, what the, the positive of that if they're, you know, if you can say the word positive, I think the positive is it's just going to create a massive amount of innovation and change, not just from, you know, one or two or five, um, but you're going to see, I think, increasingly, um, you know, a more entrepreneurial approach to, to retail in North America where people are like, how do I change? How do I, how do I create? How do I differentiate? Um, and, and not just Amazon doing it, right? Mm. Uh, which obviously they're doing a fantastic job. Mm. And you mentioned in your presentation about you're not selling a product, you're selling an experience. That's right. So the it's it sounds to me like if I look at it very high level, wherever there's mass commoditization, that's really being impacted by a lot of the, the bigger right. guys because you don't necessarily need to have a lot of human touch points in order to sell a washing machine, for example. Whereas yeah. to get a suit fitted... Yeah. That, that makes sense, high touch, high value, high yeah. relationship, high experience. Yeah, and I think the mistake I made in the presentation is that experience can relate to commodity, right? And I think we've seen that, you know, Dollar Shave Club as an example. You know, for men, razors and shaving cream and all that is, is a commodity, right? It's something we do every day and need, you know, daily, weekly, monthly. Uh, but they created a different experience for a commodity-based item. And that experience involved pricing and post-purchase, pre-purchase, all these different things that, you know, led to the building of a very successful company. You know, Amazon, as an example, I mean, they're, you know, as much as they sell massive amounts of quantities for commodity-based items, they go at it through experience. You know, Prime, the core of Prime is providing consumers with a differentiated experience, whether they're buying a toothbrush or, you know, uh, a phone or, or what have you. And so, we need more of that. We need more focus on experience versus product because that's, to me, that's, that is going to be the next 20 years. So for somebody starting out in online retail, what yep. would be a piece of advice that you would give to them? Um, yeah, it really depends on what business they're getting into. I think, um, you know, I think number one is dream big. It's something I say to my, my sons all the time. I think, um, you know, uh, there's massive opportunities that await us these next 25, 50 years. And, you know, as much as you want to take care of the now and, and set your business up and get it launched and, you know, start transacting, really have a five and 10 year vision of who you and the business want to become. Uh, and don't get trapped in, you know, thinking three, six, nine months because, or, or 24 hours, because I see that a lot, right? And what that will create is, you know, uh, a situation where you're, you know, you're working in the business and not on it, right? You're not, you're not thinking about, you know, it as strategically as you might need to. Mm, I love what you said, though, about who you want to become in the next yeah. three to five, ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that involves all aspects, right? Like, yeah. you know, I think about my life as, you know, business and, you know, my family and my friends and how does that all go together? And I know very clearly the type of father I want to be and I make business decisions based on based on that so you you know you really have to have that holistic view
Mm. Well, thanks for coming all the all the way um, to Sydney for for the event. How have you found the event so far? You know, it's uh, it's been great. I mean, I, I see a lot of passionate uh, operators and entrepreneurs, and and I think, as I mentioned, when I um, you know first sort of kicked off uh, some of the questions, you know, there's a lot of similarities uh, between what Canada has evolved through to what you know Australia is evolving through, and uh, you know, keep going. It's it's great to see. It's just amazing that you know all that's going on here. And where can people find out more about you? Well, I mean, I think uh, I always love to connect with people on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, you know, uh, and those are easy to find me uh, if you search for Drew Green. And of course, you know, if if there's a need to reach out to me directly, you can reach me at Drew at Indochino.com. Yeah. And if you want to buy a suit? And if you want to buy a suit, uh, which we would love, uh, go to Indochino.com. If you're a guy. If you're a guy. If you're a guy. Women may be coming down the scene. Soon. 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 Soon, like within five years. So (laughs) Indochino.com. That's right. Great. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, Drew. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you've loved what you've heard, make sure you're subscribed at onlineretailer.com.au to be the first to know about Australia's best e-commerce events.